1: Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of the Wolfpacker Show. I'm Matt Carter. I'm joined by my co-editor, the Wolfpacker.com, Ethan McDowell. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. We got football, we got realignment chatter out the Waju, and we have, believe it or not, a lot of recruiting going on. I mean this was supposed to be the time where Ethan could get a little bit of break from covering football recruiting and it's not happening for him. It's been busy, busy, busy which is a good reason to subscribe to our website. You know, there was a great deal last weekend if you missed it. You know, we tried to warn you during the last show that it was a great opportunity to sign up, and you would have known all along that uh, things were looking good for Jonathan Paylor, the highest-rated recruit to commit to NC State in 2018. Uh, Ethan was the first to put in a prediction for Jonathan Paylor, and obviously he looks he looks good. He doesn't. Somebody said on the weekly premium chat we do that uh, Ethan would have needed an armor suit if, if Paylor did not commit to NC State. So fortunately, Ethan didn't have to spend the money to go protect himself. Um, but that's the kind of information we get on the premium site. So please be uh, go sign up for the website and check out all the latest news because there's some busy times still ahead for football, recruiting. Um, just a couple of other housekeeping items before we jump into this podcast. Um, please rate and review this podcast wherever you may download or listen to a podcast. And if you're watching on YouTube, we've gone over 2,000. Uh, so we hit that goal. So why don't we just set another goal? Let's go for 2,500. Just keep following us on YouTube where you can watch this podcast. And every time NC State has the media availability for football, we have all the videos up as soon as anybody. Uh, And you can get access to those. We'll start doing Dave Doran weekly press conferences pretty soon. They will all be uploaded onto YouTube as well. So be sure to check that out. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, on YouTube, all the same handle, The Wolfpacker. So pretty simple to remember. Um, Please check out our great supporter and sponsor, RogueShop.com. That's R-O-G as in girl, U E -S 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 S as in Sam, H-O-P, as in Peter.com. They have all of your natural uh, cannabis needs. They are legal, they're safe, and they just may help you. So if you've been struggling with some issues like anxiety, or maybe you're having trouble getting a good night's sleep, or you're having a lot of pain issues, you've tried stuff and they don't work, this is a small company, husband and wife-led company. Their husband is a disabled veteran. Uh, they believe in these products. They will help you out. They're on our message board. Uh, you can go to their website. They have a live chat feature with an actual human being on the other end. Occasionally, you will see deals on our website, announced on our website. So go to the board and check those out as well uh, and give them a look. Maybe they might be able to help you with some of those issues um, as well. So I think I got everything covered. So let's get into it, Ethan. I know a lot of people are getting excited about football season, Um I start there, we got very limited viewing of the football team uh, last week at the start of preseason camp, and it is preseason camp, it is not fall camp, I will die on that hill. Um, Ethan, I'm going to get my impression after you, but first things that came to mind when you when you walked out and you reflect back on what you saw, what were some of the first things that, that came to your
0: mind? Honestly, the first thing that stood out was just that, uh, the team was healthy. I mean, there was one, um, I think um, DJ Collins was the only person in a limited contact Jersey. Um, maybe one or two guys were missing from practice, but, uh, some people like Savion Jackson was fully cleared starting for the first day of fall camp. Um, I had it, I didn't know what the timeline was going to be like for him. So that was really, really encouraging to see him back on the field. Um, Then what stood out to me was kind of just going through the positions. Um, Defensive line, I think there was questions about the depth earlier in the offseason. The way it's set up now and the way from talking to folks and just watching them on the practice field that day, it could be the strength of this defense. They are incredibly deep. You have a guy with Red Hippler who was one of the best Juco recruits in the country, and he's running with the third strings or was – when we saw him. So it's an incredibly deep unit. Um, that definitely stood out to me. Um, it was good to see Rosner, Bradley Rosner, the transfer from rice out there. Um, he's, he's tall. He he is as advertised. He is a tall receiver experienced. Um, you know, we didn't get to see him do that much because we only got to see the first part of practice, but, uh, you know, and then, um, kind of going off the same kind of newcomers kick here. Um, KC Kevin Conception, man, I mean, mm-hmm. one of the first plays I saw from him, he beat Jakeen Harris on a deep route and um, made a nice grab. And, you know, I, and everything I hear about him, man, whether his press conferences are a little bit behind the scenes stuff. I think he is really having a good camp, more continuation from the spring and uh, he's a guy worth getting excited about for sure. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I'd say those are my big takeaways.
1: You know, Concepcion, I think that the book on him coming out of high school he's just a baller. You know, he may not be the measurable guy, not the tallest, he's not the biggest, he's not the fastest. But I remember one person telling me, ask any high school coach in Charlotte who's their their favorite playmaker in that area. And and for the last, and that wasn't just last season, but it was probably for the last couple of seasons, they would have said Concepcion. And I think it's just those those rave reviews that the the area coaches had about him really carried a lot of weight with people like NC State. And you're seeing that come to fruition very early with him. And honestly, I would say one of the things that surprised me about process was I thought the receivers looked better Mm -hmm. than them. You know, that was no question that that was a question mark going into the season. And we didn't get to see a whole lot of uh, Bradley Rosner. And to be frank with you, he looked like a man who just arrived on campus a few days prior to the first practice. You know, he wasn't really interacting a whole lot. He was kind of just trying to figure out where to go and and what this drill might be. He looked like a, a, a guy who's still learning his new
0: surroundings. He told us during press conferences that he was focused on assignment and alignment is, I, I think, um, what he said. And that's pretty much his entire – was his entire focus for that first day yeah. or two of practice.
1: And, I, and look, he is a uh, graduate of high school back in 2016, if I'm right. So, look, he's a mature young man who will pick up quickly, and he'll get there. Um, but, I, you know, that was kind of my – a lot of people were curious what he looked like to be frank with you, it looked like a young man who just got to campus. But even with that, I thought Keon LeChain looked really good. I thought Terrell Timmons Jr. looked really good. I thought DJ Collins, even in a green jersey, was moving around pretty well. We didn't get to see him in the spring that much. And I know that was maybe a little bit of cause for concern among fans that they, being a transfer from Clemson and a former, former highly touted recruit who had some success as a true freshman for Clemson, you know, why, why didn't we hear more about him in the spring? You know, I think he was a little banged up from what we were told you know, during the spring, but he, he, I thought he was moving around well. And um, I, I really thought Concepcion and Keon were saying in particular had really good practices. And uh, interestingly, that I, I would have pegged Julian Gray as maybe an inside receiver guy, and they had him working on the outside. And I, it, you know, it looked like the early first string with Porter Rooks in the slot and Lutane mm-hmm. and Gray on the outside, but I, I imagine that's going to get a lot of changes. I agree with you, though. What stood out was just the depth of the team, the amount of volume of players on this team. Some positions are deeper than others. That you know, very clear, but. Um, I left feeling like from a physical standpoint, from an, an off-the-bus-looking standpoint, this team's right on par with the last two or three NC State teams, and we've, I, I, I was, I've been on record, and I continue to say, I think if NC State hadn't suffered a vast of injuries on defense, they're playing for the ACC title in 2021. When If they had beaten Wake Forest, they would have been playing for the ACC title anyway, but... I think they probably beat Miami if they had a full and healthy defense earlier in the year, which would have made that wake game a little less important. And I think workforce is probably not scoring 40 some points on a healthy NC state defense, even though it's at home. Um, But the one question I have about this team is the last two years, NC State's had a lot of bad luck with injuries. Yeah. And, my theory on that is it's because that's just Dave Doran's mentality of, that's instilled in this team. It's part of the culture of this team. You're not going to find a team, in my opinion, that plays harder. There may be some teams that play as hard. But NC State prides itself on playing hard, on playing physical, and everything they do. And I think sometimes that may accumulate a little bit of toll on the bodies playing that hard and that physical. Um and if this year's team were to have a little bit of that rash of injury, that's probably where my one concern might be: is that you know is that next man up going to be as strong as it has been the next last like, couple of years? Because this year, that next man up is somebody who probably hasn't played nearly as much as players from years past. So that kind of you know a couple of other things I saw. I thought the kicking competition is going to be more exciting and probably people. First anticipated, don't rule out Colin Smith with Braden nogson you know, based on that first process. So that'll be interesting. And I agree with you, though, to wrap it up. I think Concepcion, if, if there's a true freshman to watch, it is definitely uh, Concepcion. Um, I thought it looked phenomenal.
0: I, I did want to also mention Julian Gray again just because, like you said, he, he got – he does a good job of just getting open, even though he's shorter than, you know, Aiden White or Shaheen Battle, the two guys he was going up against in practice. But um, he does a good job, you know, finding those open areas in the defense, using his speed to get to them before the defensive back. And uh, I talked to him a little bit during um, one of the media availabilities, which just me and him chatting for a little while. And I asked him because we spoke to him this time last year. And during that, he was like, yeah, man, like I can – Play outside, inside, even in the backfield if I need to. We didn't see a ton of that last year. So I asked him about it this year. I was like, hey, you said this about this time last year. He's like, yeah, I think I'm actually going to be able to do it this year. Mm-hmm. Th- this new offense is going to take advantage of Julian Gray's elite speed because yeah. it is elite. Like uh, there's not many faster guys in the ACC, I think. So,
1: you know, this- he's not really the first to kind of say that. I think, you know, Jordan Houston was kind of diplomatic about it, but he was also upfront about how they, they felt like he was going to get to be used in the passing game and get out in space a little bit more and run some more routes. So you do start hearing the chatter about what we've already heard of. This offense is going to be molded around the playmakers and find a way to utilize the playmakers as best as they can be. And that. That's Robert and I's calling card. That you're not necessarily going to get the same offense from year to year and from week to week. I mean, they're going to mold what they do around what their playmakers do best and how they can exploit the matchups against the other team defense, which sounds simple and it sounds like common sense, but you, it's not nearly as simple as people think. And it's not nearly as commonplace. I mean, most teams stick to their offense. I remember with, Larry Fedora at UNC, they basically had six or seven plays. Their philosophy was we have these plays and we're going to maybe change formations on them a little bit, but our whole point is we're going to run these plays so well that we know it like the back of our hand, and it's going to be just so instinctual for us that we're going to be so good at it you can't defend it. And so that's a, a... one philosophy out there. And I think Robert and I and what Dave doing, looking for is a little bit more creative and, and unpredictable. So, um, Let's uh, talk a little, well, let me, uh, we also got another sponsor. I'm going to go ahead and, and bring them up. Um, we're very excited about this new addition to the Wolfpacker family. Um, they are game time. And uh, what game time is, is an app. Or tickets now, Ethan. I know you wrote about it the other day, so I'm going to call upon you to uh share this the actual knowledge with me. How have NC State's football ticket sales gone this year?
0: They, they've already sold more than I think they ever have. It's like I think less than 2000 left for VMI, I think it was less than 100 for um Miami, and then uh, like less than 500 for Marshall. And then um, the rest of them are sold out. So yeah. the, it's, it's a great home schedule. Yeah. It's a great home schedule, and the Wolfpack fans are showing up. So, yeah.
1: And the rest of them are the elite games, by the way. We're talking Notre Dame. We're talking Clemson. We're talking the rivalry game against North Carolina. Um, those are the marquee games on the schedule. So the tickets are in high demand. And, you know, what game time does for you is if you're not a season ticket holder, for instance, of NC State football, this is an app that you can get on your phone um, that will allow you to get tickets stress-free, basically. So you can re- you can trust on GameTime.co, um, not.com, by the way. I want to make sure that's clear. So GameTime.co. And what they do is they guarantee the cheapest tickets available all the way up to game time. And so what I'm going to do is I downloaded the app, and it's mind-blowing, to be honest with you. Uh, It's kind of what it looks like. Okay, I got it set on Raleigh Dome, And what you do here is I'm going to type in entry state football as fast as I can. You don't really need to type it all in because it'll pick up what you're trying to do. These are all your NC State football games right there. And they got all the best available prices right now. So let's say you're thinking, I want to go to Notre Dame. Click on the Notre Dame game. it will tell you the best deal and the cheapest deal. And the best thing is, is that gives you the vantage points of where those seats may be. And you can get them all the way up to game day. So it takes a lot of the stretch. And it gets you the last, you know, if you're looking for those great last-minute deals, not just football, obviously. I I just know our audience cares about NC State football. But you can do it for concerts. You can do it for uh, if you're looking to go to a a comic show or another sporting event, a Carolina Hurricanes game, whatever. Use your promo code Wolfpack, All capitalized, and you'll get $20 off your first posters. So that's a good deal, too. So if you're looking for that Notre Dame game, you know, season opener, if you get, if NC State crushes UConn week one, and all of a sudden you're buying in and you want to go to that Notre Dame game, go to Game Time. You can go to gametime.co. Um, and it's a fast and easy way to buy tickets at what's going to be the cheapest price you can get. So snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Wolfpack all capital for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Wolfpack all capital letters for twenty dollars off. Uh, download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And when I say guaranteed, they will refund you one hundred ten percent if you don't get the lowest price. So you don't need to plan months in advance since they have built right up to game time. So appreciate their support, and it's a great app. Trust me, I've downloaded it, and it's been awesome. So let's get back into uh, the, the War Pack show here. Before we talk about football recruiting, because it's going to be busy again, it's um, our realignment. It's been another busy week in realignment. I wrote a, what I thought was a pretty blunt column about uh, Cal, Stanford, and SMU potentially joining the ACC. And what I basically said is it made zero sense. I stand by that. I think it makes zero sense. Ethan, uh, before I c- expand upon that and share some, some of what my knowledge is, you I mean, you grew up in Virginia. You grew up around the ACC, just like I did. Uh, your initial thoughts, too. Look, I it seemed dead from, you know, I know some media reports kind of put it as roadblocks. I mean, from what I gather, it's more significant than roadblocks. It's, it's under the very, 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 very unlikely category. But um, it's even your thoughts on the rationale, I guess, of considering Cal, Stanford, and SMU. I, with the preface that those three schools were going to take less revenue, uh, With the uh, SMU was going to basically... Self fund itself just to be in the conference and let the ACC take its share. Um, so there would have been a little extra money involved for these ACC teams to do it, but you know, I think that the, that too too small prices to gain. I don't know how you know what I'm trying to say. Like that that's just a small benefit, and the price other prices are too large to pay for it myself. What are your thoughts, Ethan? Ethan?
0: I mean, yeah, I think I'm on the same page as everyone except the people running the ACC, um, <laughs> and I don't think it makes much sense. Uh, I mean, shoot, even football aside, you look at the non-revenue sports and it the travel would be ridiculous Um, for football. I mean, the money isn't going to make that much of a difference, and it 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 just doesn't make any sense to me, like whatsoever. The slight bump in money, I don't think, um, I don't think it's going to catch close the gap with the Big Ten or the SEC by any um, stretch of the imagination. And to be honest, it just feels like a panicked reaction. Hmm. That I think that's the most disappointing part of it. Is it seems like NC, It's not NC State. The ACC getting involved in realignment because all of the other conferences are expanding so quickly. It just seems like they see that going on. They're like, oh crap, now we need to do something. And I'm glad that it looks like it is dead. It probably isn't going to happen now because I think that would have just ended up causing more damage or briefly slowing down the um, current decline of the conference. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I also, I think the Florida State narrative also created some of that panic as well. There's a narrative of Pac-12 is done, is the ACC next, and the reason why the people are wondering if the ACC is next is because Florida State has all but declared war on the Grand of Rights, and they're going to find are going to try to find a way to beat the Grand of Rights. Uh, it's no secret that Florida State is probably not alone. In that thought process. A lot of people have put Clemson in the same boat, but they're Clemson doing it, you know, a little bit more behind the scenes and quietly, and they're letting Florida State take the take to beat him, um, and the bruises. So, you know, I think there was that narrative as well that I think they're trying and I think there's a realization of, you know what, we have not been proactive enough and we could probably not be in this situation if we had been more proactive about, say, Texas and Oklahoma when they were unhappy with the Big 12 or the SEC gobbled them up. And Maybe last year, I've argued that last year they should have approached the remain when Southern Cal and UCLA left. UCLA left I think a, a common sense solution could have been. I, and maybe they looked into it and the logistics and the money just wasn't there, but in essence, create a new overarching conference where the ACC and heads the Pac-10, Pac-12, get the Pac-12 to expand, maybe add San Diego State and Boise State and, and come out a couple other schools to even it out. And then, um, in essence, you would have had old school Major League Baseball. Yeah. yeah, MLB is the overarching umbrella within it. There was the National League and American League, and for the longest time, they didn't play each other until the world series and you could have had a somewhat similar setup where you you could call it like the coastal athletic conference or something like that. And you had the Atlantic division and you had the Pacific division. And in essence, they were two separate conferences under one umbrella sharing a title game, sharing about all the tournaments or whatever. Um, And you agreed to play some kind of showcases like in basketball, you would have had a Pacific Atlantic challenge. Um, and in football, you agree that, you know, one crossover opponent at a non-conference game, or maybe you could count it as a conference game, but I would suggest a non-conference game. And you alternate, you know, you could have played, uh, really spiced it up and, and put the Rose Bowl at their football championship game site, and make it a destination for fans, for for one year, and then maybe the Orange Bowl or something iconic like that on the East Coast for the other year, and I mean, I think that would have been a golden opportunity for the ACC, and I think the SPM would have loved it, and they could have put it all on the ACC network and rebranded the ACC network, and um, that was a missed boat as well. There's been a lot of missed opportunities for the ACC, and I kind of wonder if some of this is a panic of, we've missed so many opportunities um, and now we're, we're, Florida State's making it very clear that we're staring at the abyss if we don't do something. But ultimately, it just doesn't, it doesn't move anything. At this point, it's Notre Dame or bust almost, almost unless the AC, AS, unless ESPN and its current predicament does something off off-brand for, the, for them and throws a lifeline to the ACC and put, brings that TV deal up to market value between now and 2036. Uh, those are the only two ways the ACC gets saved. And, and I agree with you. It just seemed a, a bit of a panic move. And I was surprised with how many teams apparently were in favor of it. I mean, I think it, it was closer to reality than when, when – I don't know about you, Ethan. When I first heard the report, I was like, that's ridiculous. No way. Then you start hearing it. Shoot. It was closer to happening than people think. And it made no sense to me. Anyway, let's talk football recruiting. Um, We do have a decision coming Saturday, August 12th. Uh, Is he on three industry, four-star too? Yep. Okay. On three industry rankings, which combines all the services in a, into one ranking, um, four-star receiver, another one, Terrell Anderson from Grimsley High School in Grimsley, part of the big, would you say big five or big six receivers in the state of North yes, Carolina? Yes. Six. six. Yeah, part of that group of six that's been... Um, And he's probably one, the sixth is the young man from Crest High School in Shelby that kind of came later on to join. But the other five have been known about for well over a year. NC State's already gotten one of them, maybe the best of them, and Jonathan Paylor. Um, Terrell Anderson's in that group. Final three of NC State, Michigan, and Tennessee. Took official visits to NC State and Tennessee. Ethan, without giving too much away, because we do want people to sign up to the website. Uh, your thoughts on the eve of Terrell Anderson's
0: decision. So NC State's just done a good job in this recruitment, um, recruiting Terrell and his family. Uh, he visited for the first time last fall, picked up an offer last fall. And um, every time he's gone to campus, he's left and um, just shared just, Glowing reviews of the trips of campus of the coaches. Um, and for those who have spoken to Terrell, he's not like the most, um, you know, not the most talkative guy in the world, but um, he's not going to go out of his way to compliment a school. Like, he's very honest and gives you his honest take on programs. And he has genuine love for state, and that has kept them a strong contender, even as he's added those offers from. SEC programs from Michigan, all, all these schools. And, um, you know, three of those programs Tennessee, Michigan, and NC State, they were involved for a while and they've made it all the way to the eve of his decision. But right now, NC State's in a good spot. I feel good about where the Wolfpack is at. Um, they were his public leader after the official visit. And um, I think the Wolfpack has done a good job maintaining that level of interest. Um, We'll see what happens on decision day. Um, I know one other team in his top three has made a push over the last week. I'll have more on that on the website um, later today, but uh, NC state's done everything they can. um, And now they're poised to add the highest um, ranked receiver in Dave Doran's tenure potentially.
1: Yeah. That's um, to be able to get two of that, those, you know, Six. I mean, listen, you're not going to get four of them. That would have always really One was going to Michigan almost from the get-go. Shannon Goodwin is the son of a former Michigan football player. So you knew that was a long shot from the get-go. To be able to get to multiple of the other five is a big accomplishment, and that's a job well done. So if NC State gets to Terrell Anderson, you can look back and say in the year of which Everything with in terms of in-state recruiting in the 2024 class was about that group of stellar receivers. NC State came away good. They did well. They hit the mark. They get an A A grade if you get both Paylor and Anderson. That's just my opinion. Yeah,
0: I mean, you go back a year from now and you ask NC State fans, oh, you're going into the fall with um, Paylor and – Anderson, you know, trending towards your program on the eve of his decision. And, you know, fans are going to be ecstatic about that. They're arguably the top two receivers in the state. Um, Terrell's the number two recruit in North Carolina. I, it's, it's been a few years since NC um, State has landed a recruit that, that highly ranked in state. And in a year where so many people, so many recruits are headed out of state in the 2024 recruiting class, you're gonna land two top five recruits in state. That's huge. That's yeah. huge for this class. And they're at arguably the biggest position of need for this cycle. Shoot, you could not draw up a better past couple weeks if Anderson ends up picking NC State tomorrow.
1: One of the underrated things about rec- less known aspect about recruiting too is when you only have so many spots for a position, and all of a sudden you've gotten two. Within a week or so, if, if this is presumptuous on our part, but let's say Terrell Anderson commits to entry state tomorrow, I'd also have the added benefit of putting a squeeze on the other wide receivers that you are recruiting in this class. And all of a sudden, these guys are going to look up and say, you know what, if entry state is the call for me, I got to move quickly. And it, it's a very effective, it's why you often see a run recruits at a position and recruit them. It's just a very effective. I've had multiple coaches explain to me how effective that tool is. I only got one spot left in the in the, in your class. You better hurry up. Um, I want um, real quickly. Who are some of the other receivers that because we believe NC State trying to take three mm-hmm. in the class? Um, we know they've hosted a couple other guys this summer. Um, you know, where the where kind of who are the names you would suggest to follow after let's say Terrell Anderson commits to NC State, if he does commit to NC State.
0: Yeah, so I could see the program taking – they're going to take at least three receivers this cycle. could see them taking four, perhaps, depending on um, how much they like some of the other guys. There's four receivers still on the board right now, right? So you Mm -hmm. have Terrell deciding tomorrow. And then you have um, Jamar Boston – a recently offered guy at Alpha Wolf, someone who um, picked up a wave of offers this summer. Pretty unknown guy going into the summer, but has built some hype. He's a four-star on ESPN, um, three-star, um, high three-star on, um, on, on three, and um, I th- believe unranked elsewhere. So his ranking, totally up in the air right now. But based on the conversations I've had with sources, he has emerged as a top, top priority guy and um coming out of that alpha wolf visit i like where nc state's trending with him i've posted multiple updates on him over the past um week encourage you to go check that out on the wolfpacker.com and the wolves den message board but like where nc state stands with him um the other guy to watch um one of the other guys is uh, christian zachary who um is a uva commit he uh committed to UVA in June and then kind of surprised folks by stopping by for an unofficial visit a few days later, Um, stopped by camp and then went on a visit after that. But, uh, you know, he's a tall, like, you know, outside receiver, take the top off a defense and has size to win jump balls guy. I'm pretty impressed with, but uh, he scheduled a visit for the Notre Dame game. So if, if that visit happens, um, I I like NC State's chances at a flip there. We'll see what happens, but um, and then the uh, the fourth guy who I think is a a little bit of um a wild card here is uh, Franklin Barrett Jr., who's a camp standout from Wake Forest High. He uh, really really stood out at camp. I believe he ran a four three six. I believe was his forty time. Um, put up. N- Great numbers in the other testing combine testing drills, and um, he measured at over six foot three. Um, you know, he's someone that hasn't re- been, really been able to show off his skills in Wake Forest offense that has been pretty run focused during his high school career. That's going to change this season. He said that their offense is going to be throwing the ball more. And um, for that reason, he's, he doesn't have an offer yet, but he's caught the attention of the staff. Um, The staff was going to come and evaluate him in person this fall and um, shoot, maybe if he could earn an offer at some point this fall and they could add a local kid to the class, because I know he has um, a lot of genuine interest in NC State if they were to get involved. So it's that group. Um, NC State's going to take at least two more receivers. Um, I could see them taking three. We'll just have to wait and see how the rest of the class unfolds.
1: Yeah, Franklin Barrett kind of followed a little bit of a track similar to Terrell Timmons Jr., who, who just did a really nice job at camp. They bought him, bought him back for the Alpha Wolf showcase, like they bought Barrett back for the Alpha Wolf showcase to get another look at him in person. And then they went to one of Timmons's games in the uh, fall, and, and and you know he, he balled out caught, uh, through the first couple of clips of his uh, high school senior year film. <laughs> Um, it's him catching long touchdown passes and you will see uh, Joker Phillips and Todd Goble standing at the goal mm-hmm. line while Terrell Timmons runs by him on one of those touchdown catches. Uh, that got him the offer and now it looks like a, a smart play by NC State. It looks like he's got a pretty promising future. Uh, really, really quick before we wrap this up because we got to wrap it up quickly here. Um, in-state him, pretty much down to one other than unless they offer Barrett pretty much down to Tyler West, if if I'm right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Offensive tackle from Andrews High in North Carolina, um, Duke and Georgia Tech, and kind of been in the mix there. And he's another name, and Nathan, you can just say, yeah, no, a real quick explanation, but another name to kind of follow here over the next few weeks, potentially.
0: Yeah, he's someone he was originally scheduled to announce August 1st. Um, That didn't happen. I think that's a good sign for NC State. Um, There's some noise around Georgia Tech that has um, since quieted down a little bit. Um, And to be blunt, I put in a prediction for NC State earlier this week. Um, I put in more intel in that on the website, so go check that out. But um, NC State has done a good job remaining in his recruitment throughout and um, put itself in a good spot. All right. That'll do it for this edition of the Wolfpacker Show.
1: Uh, Just a reminder, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all of it at the Wolf because You can follow Ethan if you want to follow his work at Ethan M. McDowell on Twitter as well, or X, or whatever it may be called right now. Um, you can follow him. And a reminder, please rate and review this podcast wherever you get a chance. Leave a comment, uh, maybe on our YouTube channel if you want, and, and give us a shout out. And uh, please, go on the website and get all this valuable information that Ethan's been teasing about. and you get the full picture. On the wolfpacker.com. So for Ethan, I'm Matt. This has been the Wolfpacker Show.
0: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?